The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, here on Riviera Radio, it's time to talk to Rob Kay from Blevins Franks. And Rob's been wandering around the, the planet or closer. <laughs> Good morning, Rob. What have you been up to? Well, I would, uh, not exactly the planet, but I've uh, I spent uh, three days at the Place in the Sun exhibition in London at Olympia last weekend. So, yeah, I was having a wander around. Not that you can wander very far there. Yes, and the Blevins Franks stand there, was it busy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very busy, actually. Yeah, it was lots of... There, it was quite strange. Lots of people are, um, for different reasons, are looking to leave the UK. And yes. It's, uh, it's quite unusual. Yeah. Have you been before? To, have you got any comparisons with previous editions or not? Yeah, no, we've been doing them now for, for about 10 years. And uh, I, don't think, I, I don't think there's any more traffic um, at them or to the stands. But I think that since Brexit, and I think you know, this year with Brexit... Um, well behind us, but the COVID, um, the COVID sort of disappearing. There are there are a lot more people who seem to be a lot more serious about uh, going through the process. Yeah. Anyway, before we discuss that in detail, what caught your eye in the news this past week? Well, um, investment markets, commentators, and, and the financial press all around the world. I've probably spent the last few weeks watching to see if if the U.S. government would default on its legal obligations which would have been an unprecedented event in American history. But uh, but what does that mean? Put simply, the debt ceiling is the amount the US government is allowed to borrow to meet its spending obligations, which has already been agreed by Congress and the White House. These, uh, these obligations in- include, but are not limited to, uh, things such as Social Security, Medicare and military salaries. The term debt ceiling... I suppose doesn't really do justice to to America's overdraft. It it stands at, at thirty one thousand billion dollars. Now, last time I looked, that was twelve knots, and and failure to raise it would have led to to a financial meltdown, not just in America but all around the world, because that debt is owned by probably every country on the planet, as you referred to before, Howard. The uh, the limit was created by Congress in 1917, and since 2001, the U.S. government has run a deficit averaging almost $1 trillion a year. This deal allows the administration to borrow beyond the previously imposed congressional limit, which was set at $31.4 trillion. Now, over the next two years, which means that with the, uh, the brinkmanship we've seen over the past few months, it shouldn't be repeated this time next year. Importantly, when we're in the middle of the next presidential election. And despite uh, a little bit more rainfall than was expected in May, much of France's groundwater is still at low levels, and many areas will therefore struggle with water supply over these next few summer months. So this week, the French government has launched a campaign to encourage people to save water by making small changes to the way that we use water. In truth, the campaign's advice is probably very logical. Um, for washing, the, the, the recommendations are to install low-cost water-saving shower heads and taps, take shorter showers rather than baths, and turn off taps when you're not when you're not using them directly, such as when you're brushing your teeth. In the kitchen, the recommendations are to use a dishwasher rather than washing up under a running tap. Use eco modes on dishwashers and washing machines, then only run them when they are full. In the garden, we're advised to collect rainwater to water our gardens and grow plants that generally require less water. And we're also told if we check and repair leaks, we can actually save hundreds of litres of water every single day. 
Now, a survey published this week asked 2,000 adult British residents for their views on retirement, pensions and investments. It revealed 42% of them would leave the UK to retire abroad if they could. Two-thirds believe that the UK retirement age should be lowered. Well, that could have been fuelled by France's recent uh, problems with when they increased the retirement age. While three-quarters of the respondents also said it's now harder to retire in the UK than ever before. A third of those surveyed said that they didn't know exactly how much money was in their pensions and 63% didn't believe they had enough to retire comfortably and they would need to have additional investments alongside their pensions. Interestingly, half the respondents believed their pensions would go a lot further if they moved abroad, which bears out what a lot of people said to us at the Place in the Sun exhibition last weekend. Spain is still the most popular place for, for Brits to go and live, and also for those who want to reassess, let's say, their retirement options. But it's also followed by Australia, Portugal, Thailand, Canada, then France, which is number six in the list. Well, I understand at the Brevenstank stand at the place in the sun, a lot of the questions were about UK pensions when someone moves to France. So continuing that theme, let's start with the basics. Lots of our listeners were receiving a UK state pension, or will they be entitled to one? What do we need to know? Yeah, the uh, the UK state pension is, uh, is, is very simply a regular pension payment that's made by the UK government, which most people can claim when they reach UK state pension age. Now, your state pension age depends on when you are born. You can find out your state pension age by, by using the simple calculator on gov.uk um, website. The, the full amount of the new state pension is currently set at £203.85 a week, which normally goes up every year. There's no automatic right to receive the full UK state pension when you retire. The full amount is only paid if you have paid or received credits for national insurance contributions for 35 years. You can also find out how much you're entitled to by getting a state pension forecast. If you've reached your state pension age since the 6th of April 2016, your pension will be based on the new rules. If you reach state pension age before the 6th of April 2016, your state pension is based on the old rules. Now, there are also transitional rules in place to make sure you don't receive less than you would have had under the old system. The state pension age for most people is now 66. However, it is gradually rising to 67 for anyone born after the 6th of April 1960 and to 68 if you were born after the 6th of April 1977. The UK government is actually reviewing whether the increase to 68 should actually happen. Your state pension entitlement builds up each year as you made UK national insurance contributions. We're frequently asked if we can pay voluntary contributions and buy back years, especially if you don't have 10 qualifying years. Usually you can buy back six years. The deadline is the 5th of April each year. You can sometimes pay for gaps for more than six years ago, depending on your age. The standard cost of buying Class 3 national insurance contributions is £15.85 for a week of missing contributions for the 22-23 tax year. To buy back the whole year, it would therefore cost you £824.20 and your UK state pension would increase by £275. So after four years, your investment will be reaping a 33% return, which is not bad in anyone's book. Now, if you're unsure about your UK state pension entitlement or the number of qualifying years you've paid national insurance contributions, you can obtain a UK state pension forecast. From personal experience, 
I can tell you, trying to navigate the UK government website as a non-UK resident with no UK postcode, it's a very frustrating and quite annoying experience. I would recommend you go to the UK government's website, www.gov.uk, and download what's known as a BR19 form. Fill it in and post it back to the Department of Works and Pensions in the UK. Good advice. So what about defined benefit pensions? Yeah, um, people who've worked for UK companies frequently have company pensions, which are known as defined benefits pensions. The reason for the name is uh, is because it's, the, it's due to the accrual of benefits, and it's based on the number of years you've worked for that company and your final salary. The basic idea was, when you came to retire after a long and successful career, you would receive a pension which was based on your time with that firm and your final salary when you left their employment. There were lots of different versions, but some of the best were referred to as 60 schemes. Now, after working for 40 years for the same firm, you would then receive 40 sixties of your final salary, which was usually indexed then for the rest of your life. Final salary schemes have become much more of a rarity these days because they create a massive ongoing liability for the employer. In the news, we're frequently told about pension black holes on companies' balance sheets. They are created by these ongoing pension liabilities. And define contribution pensions? <laughs> yeah, these, these days employers, they actually favour defined contribution pensions because although they have a financial commitment, it's quantifiable. Individuals have also used defined pension, defined contribution pensions, um, which are also known as money purchase schemes, for years and years. The UK government encourages people to save for their retirement, theoretically so they're not a financial burden on the state when those people retire, by offering tax relief on pension contributions. And while the money is accumulating within their pension, it, grow, it then grows tax-free. Although they've been uh, much maligned over the years, personal pensions have helped Lots of people create some very, very valuable pots of savings by, by a combination of enforcing a savings culture in a tax-enhanced environment and also not being able to get your hands on that money until you're at least 55. Could you explain what the lifetime allowance is and does it apply to French residents? Well, at, at the moment, that question should be, what was the lifetime allowance? Because Jeremy Hunt did away with the LTA in his recent spring budget. But in very simple terms, the lifetime allowance was the maximum combined amount you could accumulate in your UK pensions, whether they were defined benefits or defined contribution schemes. The lifetime allowance was first introduced back in 2006, and when the threshold then was set at £1.4 million. That threshold was gradually increased over the next six years until it hit £1.8 million. But in 2016, it was slashed back down to £1 million. Since then, it's increased in line with the inflation until Rishi Sunak's first budget when he froze the threshold at, um, at that uh, level of £1,073 until 2026. Any amount above the lifetime allowance was subject to a one-off tax charge of 25%. If the excess is paid as a pension, that lump sum then jumped to a tax charge of 55%. It was applied in either way or a combination of both, depending on how excess benefits above the lifetime allowance were taken. It's good to highlight this issue, however, because all the opposition parties have vowed to bring the lifetime allowance back if they're elected into government, which could be as soon as January 2025. 
And so what are QNOPs? Qualifying recognised overseas pension schemes, however, very simply, an overseas pension that has been approved by HMRC and is able to receive monies from UK pensions when the owner of the pension benefits has moved abroad. The lifetime allowance was a popular reason why, why many people who moved abroad choose or chose to transfer their UK pensions to Kuros because any further appreciation in value then didn't expose those pensions to the lifetime allowance tax charge. Pensions could safely appreciate in value, safe in the knowledge they were not running the risk of a 25 or 55% tax charge. There can be lots of reasons why people transfer their pensions to Kuros. If you leave the UK, why would you leave a major asset behind, which is completely at the mercy of the UK taxman? Prior to 2006 and until January 2025, you can accumulate whatever you want in your pension and there won't be a tax penalty. There's about £3 trillion in UK private pensions, so it's actually a massive target for any future chandler or government. Another major reason why people transfer is currency. Most UK pensions have to be paid in sterling. That's not helpful if your expenses are paid in euros. Also, since Brexit, UK advisors and UK pension firms can't give their European resident clients any advice or guidance, and pensions are definitely a subject where you don't want to be left in the void on your own and potentially exposed. So is the overseas transfers charge something else? And if so, can it adversely impact our listeners? The, uh, the overseas transfer charge is something that's completely different, to be honest with you. Um, back in 2017, the then Chancellor of the Exchequer, Philip Hammond, introduced the overseas transfer charge. He said it was to deter people from transferring their pensions out of the UK for what he described as purely tax avoidance reasons. Rubbish. The main reason was the UK had voted for Brexit and the UK government was worried loads of people would leave the UK and take their pensions with them. The contributions to those pensions had enjoyed tax relief and the funds had been allowed to accumulate in a tax-free environment, as I said a little earlier. Now, if you now want to move you and your pension away, the UK government won't see any return on its investment. And so they're just going to simply apply an exit tax. Now, importantly, even though Brexit is well behind us, transfers to EU Kuros by EU residents are still not subject to the overseas transfer charge. But be very careful... If you move again and you move outside the EU, the tax charge will be applied on the whole amount retrospectively. Obviously, Monaco is not in the EU, so Monogas residents need to be extra vigilant when considering their pension options. As I said previously, this has become much more challenging as UK financial advisors, brokers, pensions administrators, stockbrokers, in fact, anyone providing financial advice from the UK has lost the ability to advise their overseas clients. Are our UK pensions impacted by the fact that the UK is no longer a member of the European Economic Community? Uh, as time passes, we're gradually learning more and more about what post-Brexit life in France is all about and what has actually changed and what hasn't. So far, the main issues have really been technical or administrative, which most of the listeners probably won't have encountered. The best news must be the UK will continue to uplift UK state pensions, just the same as if you were living in the UK. The UK will also continue to honour the S1 system for those retirees receiving UK state pensions, but importantly, also for those of us who will become eligible for a UK state pension in the future. The EU's confirmation that the UK is still part of the European S1 family 
So possession means you are covered by the French health system, but importantly, exempt from paying French social charges is also excellent news. We shouldn't forget rules can be changed. And now the UK is outside the EEC, it could quite easily extend the overseas transfer charge to EU residents. It could decide to change the rules completely and tax all income that arises in the UK, such as UK rental income and UK government pay pensions, already. If the, if the Treasury or the Trustee adopts the uh, recommendation by, by the Institute for Fiscal Studies, non-UK residents would lose their personal allowances which means expatriates would pay UK income tax on every penny of UK rising income. We won't pay twice because of the France-UK double tax treaty, but we could easily end up paying more tax than actually we need to. So if you haven't considered the impact of what might initially seem like quite subtle changes, you need to dig a little deeper and understand what the ramifications could be for you before it happens, and importantly, if there is anything you, you can do about it in advance. If you are newly retired or approaching retirement, how important is it for you to review your overall financial planning at this stage in your life? Blevins Franks, uh, Franks Foundations were built on a commitment to helping British nationals retire to much sunnier and hopefully warmer places. Helping UK nationals financially settle in Europe over the past 48 years has given Blevins Franks a unique understanding of what is required when someone enters this new and exciting phase of their lives. If you decide to leave the UK and move to France, especially when you retire, you're usually an optimist and positive about the freedom retirement is going to offer you. France offers a fantastic lifestyle, the climate, the environment, the food, the wine and the culture. But long-term security is crucial if you're going to maximise the enjoyment of your retirement years. Your situation is now totally different to when you are working to achieve your dream of a, maybe a retirement in the south of France. You need to look at your finances, how you hold your assets, and be prepared to make some adjustments. Retirement in, say, Monton, Valbon, Valescure or Callian is still retirement, but financially, it's completely different to retirement in, say, Guildford, Bristol, Chester or Edinburgh. We mentioned this a couple of weeks, but retirement is also one of those milestone events which prompts something that has always made me cringe, what's known as later life planning. I suppose it's completely logical, but being older doesn't make estate planning any easier. It might sound very basic, but the first step with any estate planning is knowing what you want to happen which means deciding who you want to benefit and how much you want them to receive. The, the, uh, Napoleonic, uh, the French Napoleonic rules are completely different to the UK common law rules. French law dictates who and how much your beneficiaries will receive. Now, without professional advice and advice planning, we frequently find testimony wishes are not achieved and more succession taxes paid than needs to be. When you think about your estate planning, it's very important not to forget yourself. What I mean by this is, it can be very easy to let the tax tail of the dog wag the whole dog. Retirement is a new chapter in your, in your life, which hopefully you will enjoy for many, many years. Giving assets away to avoid tax is not an ideal strategy for a French resident. The French taxman is wise to that trick, and he applies gift tax at the same rates as succession tax when assets are gifted. Estate planning for French residents therefore needs to be much more creative and taking expert advice is usually not just helpful, it's also financially very beneficial. So to understand your strategic financial planning arrangements are or are still appropriate for living in France in 2023, call Blevins Franks and arrange to speak to one of our local Blevins Franks partners. 
The initial discussion is complimentary, so it won't cost you a penny to actually speak to us. To make contact, call the Valbon office. The telephone number there is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. And if you prefer, you can call our Monaco office. And the number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's 97775574. And if you'd like to learn more about Blevins Franks or make contact, you can visit our website, which is www blevinsfranks.com Many thanks Rob always a pleasure Thanks Howard speak to you next week The Blevins Franks Report If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this programme contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com Focusing on the big picture At Blevins Franks, our financial advisors take a holistic approach. We get to know our clients, your family situation and objectives, and our integrated advice covers tax and estate planning, savings and investments, and pensions. We aim to consolidate many of your assets, keeping things simple for you and your family and heirs. Get in touch with your local Blevins Franks advisors today. Visit BlevinsFranks.com. That's BlevinsFranks.com.